What about that game between Kansas City and the Miami Dolphins? Can you imagine playing an eight, negative, negative eight, negative nine degrees? They had heaters on the, uh, the underground below the, the field heating the, the field so that it wouldn't be full of snow and ice. And people are out there, big dummies out there, just in negative eight, nine degrees, hungry for watching a game. Some are out there with their shirts off, buck, half buck naked, you know? And so they're, they're just out there being crazy. And I thought to myself, we need to pray that God's people are that crazy for being in his house and for loving his word and fellowshiping together. And, and, and not just that, not just that. What was after church? So anyway, so, but the thing about it is that they even, the Kansas City even had their whole, everybody that was there for Kansas City, which I wasn't, I was from Miami Dolphins, but, <laughs> but um, they even had a chant, you know, in between and all this stuff. And I'm thinking, what enthusiasm, what rallying, what upbeatness, what determination, what sacrifice, what at no cost am I going to support my team? And I thought, that's what we as God's people need to be for him Amen. more than ever. The world needs that. We need to have more of that in our church family. Of course, you and I know the reality is that Satan doesn't want us to. And I think we fall into a trap of just thinking, well, we're in the last days. That's the, the church of Laodicea, and we're just going to be lukewarm and watered down. That's just the way it is. It doesn't have to be. In other words, it may be that time period, but God can raise up his people any way he wants to. Amen? And so we need to pray for more of that. As we know, the spiritual warfare is I'm going to be gung-ho for football and not for God. And that's just the world. That's the world we live in. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I want to thank you for uh, today. And uh, thank you for each person here, for those that are online, those that hear the message later on. And I pray, Father, that you're just work through this message, preach this message, and carry it and use it for your glory and accomplish your work through it, Father. Help our hearts, Father, to have the and, and Sunday school. Father, you know that as a closing prayer was to have the open ears and the open heart, spiritual ears, spiritual heart, to receive the things that you have for us to receive. And so I pray that we will indeed uh, receive those things. And Father, uh, continue to take care of our Jewish family. Protect them, Father. And bless those that stand up for Yeshua. In Jesus' name, amen. So, we're looking at miracles and signs. We're going to start a series of messages today based upon the miracles and signs of Jesus. We've, we've done studies like this before, but my prayer this year is that God would do something different. In fact, before we hit New Year's, I had read something in a devotion or somewhere or whatever that spurred my spirit and my heart to say, you know what, this next year, just expect greater things. Expect better things. See what God wants to do. And I'm looking forward to that. Not, not as Terry Glover trying to use a forced hand on God. Can't manipulate God. I can ask him, but I can also check my spirit with God that in my spirit that I sense that the spirit of God is saying, amen. He agrees with that, that we're in line together to look that way for this next year. And so I encourage you to pray about this next year and what God has for you, that you're discovered things that are greater and, and deeper and richer and more life enriching than you've had before. And the, so I just pray that you'll be blessed that way. So the miracles Jesus did the sign and the signs associated with Jesus were all meant to confirm who Jesus was and display God's power. 
We know that. It was his credentials, right? It was his way of saying, look, this is my power. This gives me the credential. This proves that I am who I say I am. Sometimes we just look at the miracles of science in their simplest form. Because we've, we've seen these miracles before. We've studied these miracles before in Scripture. We see them in a very simple form, sometimes in a deeper form. And I hope this time deeper than that. In this message series, I want us to look beyond the miracle or the, or the sign. And look, now think about that. I want to look beyond the miracle or the sign. So you think, can you go beyond the miracle, beyond the sign? And look at some of the symbolism and deeper meanings behind them. And so if you can walk away with a deeper, richer understanding of what God intends for us to receive through the testament of these miracles that are recorded in the scriptures. Jesus' first miracle occurred during a wedding. And it points to the abundance and blessing that comes from our relationship with him. Right? So the first miracle occurred during a wedding. That's a joyous time. I've not been to a wedding that's not joyous, unless one of them say, oh, and they skip out. <laughs> you know? And I've never witnessed that before, praise God. But the wedding, it points to the abundance and blessing that comes from our relationship with him. Isn't that what we want? An abundance and blessing that comes from God because of our relationship with him should always be growing, should be deeper, should be more relevant, not just relevant, but um, amazing. Like, look what God is doing and the wonder of Jesus and the power of God and his love for us. So this wedding took place before Passover, and we know that because of John 2, 12, and 13. After this, he went down to Capernaum, he, his mother, his brothers, and his disciples, and they did not stay there many days. I would have liked to have seen that picture. Jesus going to the wedding with his mother and his brothers and the, and the disciples. Now the Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. So on our calendar, Passover usually takes place between March and April. This month is the month of Nisan on the Jewish calendar. So the, the water turned to wine miracle took place in the month of Nisan, and interesting, as it says on the board, Nisan is translated miracles. The first miracle we ever did, month of Nisan, which means miracles. I get the impression, more so, that God wants to work miracles in our life. The things that are impossible, the things that are over-challenging for us, the things that we have no control over, God wants to work miracles in our lives that he can demonstrate who he is to us. Praise God for that. What a great way. This was a great way for Jesus to start his public ministry at a wedding. But in particular, during the month of Nisan, the month of miracles. Nothing is a coincidence in Scripture. Everything's lined up and has its meaning so I want to start at the beginning of this miraculous event in John 2, 1 through 5. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. Jesus said to her, Woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet to come. Has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Whatever he says to you, do it. Kind of a weird dialect there, don't you think? It's your mother, hey, hey, Jesus, we don't have any wine. He's, she's going to him, and, and you can take care of this. She knows who he is, right? And he said, hey, woman, I'm, you know, this is, 
You know, what's that got to do with me? <laughs> you know, whew. backs up and says, just do whatever he says. But that's what we, you and I need to do, is do whatever he says. Because if we do whatever he says, we are setting ourselves up by God's leadership for him to do a miracle. And that's, that's a wonderful blessing. So this couple, like many Jewish couples, chose to be married on the third day, Tuesday. Interesting. Think about this. Tuesday has become the traditional day to be married amongst Jews because in the creation account, God blessed that day twice. So it's not a Saturday, not a Sunday, it's not a Friday night, it's a Tuesday. <laughs> That's not our culture for a wedding, is it? But it's on Tuesdays because they're symbolizing that ad they want that added blessing from God. So the weddings are usually outdoors, under the stars, to symbolize the abundance and fruitfulness that God promised to Abraham. That's a neat picture. I'm going to go on this. I'm going on a Tuesday. I'm going to I'm going to seek that double blessing like you gave on creation in line with that same timing. I'm going to, under the stars, as God told Abraham, the blessings will be like the the stars in the sky, if you will, paraphrasing. All right. A marriage is meant to abound with blessings and fruitfulness. Who are we married to? I know you say your spouse, but I'm talking about Jesus spiritually. We are married to Jesus. We are his bride. And he loves us and adores us, and he wants to bless us with blessings and fruitfulness. So that's why throughout Scripture we see God associate Israel and our relationship with him in the form of marriage. You see this picture, he's, he's gone to do this miracle at the wedding in Cana at a wedding event on a Tuesday. <laughs> and it's a big celebration, it's a joyous time, but it's to point out that, hey, I want to bless you. God wants to bless you. And he has. Count your many blessings, name them one by one. But I'm talking about miraculous things too. Things that you don't expect, things that you just don't see, things that you won't take for granted ever as you reflect on that. So our spiritual union or marriage with God is meant to bring abundance of blessings and fruitfulness. That was a testament or statement that Jesus is making at the wedding of Cana and doing this miracle was that he wanted to give those blessings and he's come to give blessings. So during a Jewish wedding, the bride circles the groom three or four times. Guess what for? Representing that the groom has become the center of her life. I love that. I love that. Because Christ should be, always should be, the center of our life. Top priority. Right? So a lot of symbolism there. God, make God the center of your life and enjoy the double blessings and the miracles of God in your life. Because that's part of the key to having that type of relationship and experiencing the miraculous power of God working in our lives is keeping him the center in which we just pivot around. We, you think she's like moseying around, okay, one, two, three, as if it was a drag. No, she was like, you know, all into it, excited, happy, joyful. We, and likewise, you and I should be all into it, happy, joyful, and focusing on Jesus, 
So around and around and around, never ending, just Jesus is the center of my heart, of my life. Our life should also center around our groom, Jesus. Amen? We know that, but put it to action of, action of faith and trust in God that we are, we are actively keeping him in the center of our life. Now, that's, that, that's not a task. That's not a chore. That's a love relationship. That's a love relationship. So the deeper we grow in love with him, the more we set ourselves aside and, and yield ourselves to God and focus on him and he reveals himself to us and we grow closer and closer in bondage, not bondage, <laughs> bonded together closer. Some people think marriage is bondage. I'm sorry. That's not what I meant. <laughs> but it's a joyful time, okay? It's a joyful time. Don't laugh. <laughs> so... Here's the thing. Unfortunately, Israel no longer had God as the center of their life. But God knows. God knows all things in the future. God has his plan. The scripture even points this out. We know that God knows that would be the case. And there had been much spiritual adultery over the years where Israel was worshiping and honoring other gods and not the one true God creator. So this miracle is meant to also call God's people back to a committed marital relationship. A serious question, or a reflection maybe. Do you look at your relationship, do I look at my relationship with God as a serious marital commitment to Jesus? Us guys, I had a guy tell me, I don't know if it was Keith or somebody, when we were talking about the bride and our study and revelation and stuff like that, where talking about the bride of Christ, Christ, and someone came up to me and said, you know, it's kind of hard for tough for guys to think of ourselves as the bride. But you think of the relationship and in, in, in the representation. That's what we're to think of. It's not the feminine femininity, it's the relationship between the bride and the groom. And that's our focus. God's people need to come back to a committed marital relationship with him. And how are all, all, all people called into this marital relationship? You know and I know. It's the invitation, the engagement, <laughs> is receiving Christ as your Savior, right? Mm -hmm. Believing that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, was buried and rose, and he's alive today, and that he's, he's knocking at the door of your heart, and he's saying, I want to come into your life. I want to have a relationship with you. I want a sweet marital relationship with you. I want an intimacy and closeness with you that no one else can share except you and I. Meaning that it's uniquely ours and our relationship with God. We can see each of us in our own relationship with Jesus is unique. And that's part of the blessing of the uniqueness of the different aspects of the bride. By believing that Jesus died for our sins and was resurrected on the third day is how we are, how we become the bride. And when did this miracle of transforming water to wine take place? The third day. It's on the third day that Jesus restores us. <laughs> See, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, third day. It's on the third day that Jesus restores us and gives us life and opens the door to abundant life. Jesus rose on the third day. New life. Blessing. Miracle. Right? 
This unconditional love and new life was prophesied about in Hosea, chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. Come, and let us return to the Lord, for he has torn, but he will heal us. He has stricken, but he will bind us up. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will raise us up, that we may live in his sight. God's desire is that we return to the Lord. If we're not following the Lord, I don't know who's listening to this message beyond here. For he has torn. God will allow things to happen in our lives to tear us down. But he will heal us. He has stricken. He disciplines those he loves, right? But he will bind us up. Binding up is not bondage. Binding us up. It's kind of like in the old days when you broke ribs, they used to bind your ribs up. They don't do that anymore. But it's to give some stability, when you have back surgery, you get that back brace on to take some relief, right? It's to give that stability. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will raise us up that we may live in his sight. What's his ultimate objective? Living in his sight. Making him the center that we revolve around, Right? And we're always the apple of his eye. I know that's a, that is specifically geared to the Jewish people, but we are his children. Let's read some more about this in John 2, 6 through 10. Now there were set there six water pots of stone, according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. When the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom. And he said to him, every man at the beginning sets out the good wine. And when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior. You have kept the good wine until now. Every time I read that, I think, besides the fact that they're drinking wine, is that I think the real fun is yet to come. The, real, the, the richness, the fullness that God has in store is yet to come is what I see with that better wine. Not only did the marriage symbolize abundance and blessings and fruitfulness, but so did wine for the Jewish people. And we're going to look at some examples about that. You know, it's okay to drink wine. The, the standard of scripture is this. Don't do anything to cause someone to stumble. So if you have a right, doesn't mean that you have, you have, you have a right, but you don't have a right to use your right if it causes someone to stumble. And so we need to remember that. In Genesis 27, 28, it says, Therefore, may God give you of the dew of heaven, of the fatness of the earth, and plenty of grain and wine. Isaiah 55, 1. Ho! Everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Yes, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Joel 2.19, the Lord will answer and say to his people, Behold, I will send you grain and new wine and oil, and you will be satisfied by them. I will no longer make you a reproach among the nations. Jesus' first miracle provided joy and points to the bringing of plenty. When you look at the simplistic aspects of the vessels being filled with water, 
There's a lot of symbolism there. Stone pots, vessels of the disciples, 12 pots, 12 disciples, filled with the water, filled with the Holy Spirit to the brim completely. But then the water changes to wine, which is a higher quality of, of, of substance. You and I, as we follow God, he changes us to have a newer quality of life in him. So there's symbolism that is there that points to bringing a plenty. John 10.10, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. So did you notice what happened in this miracle in John 2.3? And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. It was Panicville. They're going to be, the, the hosts of the wedding are going to be embarrassed and ashamed. There's panic. They ran out of wine. And that's when Jesus stepped in to help. Let me ask you a question or make a statement. Many times in our lives, God waits till we are emptied out at the bottom before he steps in. All of us. Sometimes he waits until we are, I always think about the cat with the one claw and the knot on the bottom of the rope. <laughs> Hanging on by the one claw. And he does it so that our focus and our attention and our seriousness is to be on him. Because he's our hope. We are emotionally, physically, and monetarily dried up sometimes. And often it's because we've messed up or someone else has messed up or it's affecting us. In this particular case, the wedding planners messed up. They didn't calculate right. And now the couple and their parents would be embarrassed. So in these times, as we ask ourselves, how did this happen? Have you been there? You think that couple said, how did we run out of wine? What did we do wrong? In our own personal life, when things get really messed up and royal, do we say, how did we get there? What did we do? What's the issue here? What am I going to do now? But we don't need to fear, right? Because God is in control. Praise God that God says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Amen. Praise God that, that he is in control and on his throne. Praise God that we, no matter what happens in our life, there's no surprise. No, no surprise to God, good or bad. He's fully aware. He still loves us. He's still with us. He's still helping us. And we're still secure in him for eternity. God often waits for everything in our lives to run out. But you know, those are some of the richest blessings. Like at the wedding. What a rich blessing to get the best wine. But, the, but it wasn't about the wine. It was about the miracle. What Jesus did. When we're at those places where we're up against the wall, where we don't have any room to move, we have no no ability to, to assist ourselves at all, and we're calling out to God, and God steps in and takes care of it, all we can do is say, wow, praise God. Thank you, Lord, for who you are. You love me. I know that. You're my Father. I know that. You're my Lord and Savior. I know that. But the relationship that you care for me in such a way, and you stepping in this way, my faith just blossoms. Our faith blossoms. So we can praise God when we get to those places. It, because we, can, we know God's in control. All things work for the good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. 
And so as we go on through the process, we make sure that our heart is right with God. And we're going through the process. And then we just wait for God to do his good doing because God's doing something. Praise God. He's going to reveal himself to us. We're going to see a miracle and, a and receive a blessing that will only bring him glory. God allows our own resources to run out so we will run to him. And he can, he can move us from fear to faith. Now, let me just amend that just a little bit. We should never be in a place where we're not close to God to where we feel like, okay, now it's time just to run to him. Although that's, that's okay to do. I'm not trying to contradict myself. I'm saying we should always be walking right with Jesus all the time. And when we come to those places that of difficulty, we can know that our Savior can take care of it. He can do the miracle. He can do beyond our ability. And he loves us and he's involved in our life. And so we can praise God that we have him to run to. He is our strong tower. He is our solid rock. He is the one that we can find refuge in. When we're walking close to him or we're running back to him, he's still the same. Praise God for that. Faith is about sight. And God wants you to see differently. See, just talking to you about crises in your life and the inability for you to take care of it, but your reliance and dependence and faith and trust in God to take care of it is a different perspective that people don't have. But you and I as God's children should always have that. Our Father knows what's going on, and he has his purpose. Helen Keller said, now I don't believe that Helen Keller is a Christian, was a Christian. I don't know. I, I remember preaching she was a Christian and I found out uh, that wasn't necessarily the case. I may be wrong. But Helen Keller said, the worst thing in the world is not to be born blind, but to be born with sight and yet have no vision. Now apply that, we can say worldly, no vision, purpose, directive, all that. But spiritually, we can have eyesight, but we can be spiritually blinded. No, we can be spiritually blind. There's a difference. But we need to be spiritually clear in vision. Maybe we need to ask God at times, Lord, would you do a spiritual cataract surgery on my eyes? Because <laughs> I'm not seeing as clearly as I ought to. There's a subtle difference between faith and trust. Faith believes God exists and oversees all creation, guiding us with his providential hand. We know who God is. Trust is acting on our faith. We know God is able. We know God is in control. Are we willing to act upon our faith and trust him? And when we do trust him, there's a great blessing in that. God honors that. If you want to live from a place of abundance, you will need both faith and trust. Oh, I believe in God, but I'm not trusting him in this situation. Well, then you're really not believing in God and who he is. <laughs> but you know who he is, now trust him. Take the action to do that. We, we see the abundance that God gives in this miracle. Let's look at John 2, 7 and verse 10. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water, and they filled them up to the brim. 
And he said to him, Every man at the beginning sets out the good wine, and when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior, then the inferior, you have kept the good wine until now. The pots were filled to the brim with best wine. God wants you to live life from the brim, filled up in him. He wants you to overflow with blessings and abundance. But it's going to take obediently following him in faith and trust. You have faith in who God is, put it to action and trust him because of who he is. That's what Mary told the servants to do. John 2, 5. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Some of us us say, oh, no problem. Oh, yeah, of course. I'll just do what Jesus says. Seasoned Christians know it's not always that easy to do what Jesus says. But if we love him, we will. Now, that just doesn't disqualify us of loving him, but if we love him the way we should, we will do what he tells us to do. And we'll receive those blessings in the abundance of the fullness of the life of Jesus, that new wine, if you will, filled to the brim, living to the fullest in Jesus. That's what God wants for us. And in this year, as we are embracing this new year, Start seeking God with a perspective of saying, God, I want to know that abundance. I want to know that, I want to know the richness of your blessings and abundance in this new year, a freshness that comes from you. And see what God does with that. It's good. So, again, so. Let's let's obey God with faith and trust and watch him transform ordinary water in our lives to abundant, extraordinary wine. God doesn't want us to live an ordinary life. He wants us to live an extraordinary life in him. Praise God. Let's go to the Lord. Father, I want to thank you for your word. Thank you for your, your, um, the richness of your word. I mean, there's so much depth just in the, and the significance of what we looked at today with, with you, Lord Jesus, turning the water into wine. There's so much symbolism that could be taught and a study on that that is so deep that can go hours and hours and hours. Pardon me. But, Father, um, I just praise you because you want to bless us. Help us to be the bride that dances around the groom, that makes you the center of our life with more intent and with greater joy. And I pray, Father, please, as we look to you that this year we will experience a newness in our lives, in our, not only in our relationship with you, although that's most important, but in our discovery of what you want to do in and through our lives. And may that all bring you honor and glory and praise. In Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen. Amen.